So, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Self Development with Tactics podcast. And today we go ahead with the 84 or 48, sorry, 48 Laws of Power. And this book is by, before I get to mention it, by, I don't know, 48 uh, Laws of Power. This book is by, and while it's loading, I can tell you that it's again from the um, Deconstruction Excellence website, and the book is by um, Oh my god, why is it so? By Robert Greeny or green or whatever. I would say greeny. And as the name itself says, it's about laws of power and I think it's in terms of your whole life, which you know means that they are just life uh you know life tips some sort of. And the last episode we made the law one and law two which is law one never outshine the master and law two, never put too much trust in friends, learn how to use enemies. And the second law, as I mentioned the last episode, is not something I would say that I'm really, you know, I'm really trusting in, some sort of. But we'll see what this episode uh, gives us. And I hope that there will be much, much value for you and for me as well. And... Um, before I forget, I'm your host, Christopher, and I'm a 17-year-old graphic design student from Austria. And now we can begin with the fourth law, which is always say, oh no, with the third law, conceal your intentions. Keep people off balance and in the dark by never revealing the purpose behind your actions. If they have no clue what you're up to, they cannot prepare a defense. Guide them far enough down the wrong path envelop them in enough smoke and by the time they realize your intentions it will be too late and i also don't know what i should say about this because um, it really seems or it really sounds very you know bad and and you know just i don't know it, it just doesn't seem to 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 sound right it sounds kind of wrong and um, I'll let it be it as it is and you can decide for yourself if you can um, you know use it for any ways but I have to say I'm not sure about this it's it's not something I would say I guess but maybe I'm wrong and maybe you know I do not know much at all but now we are going to to head forward to the fourth law which is always say less than necessary when you are trying to impress people with words, the more you say, the more common you appear and the less in control. Even if you are saying something banal, it will seem original if you make it woke, open-ended and sphinx-like. Powerful people impress and intimate, intimidate by saying less. The more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. That's totally right, I think. And... For me, it's also something I try not to say and uh, not to, to, to say too much because 
then uh, the chance is much higher for me to make mistakes. And making mistakes isn't bad, you know, I just learn from them, but, um, you know, doing mistakes the whole episode long isn't very nice to, to listen to or to watch. And so, you know, and also from, from me uh, preventing myself and you uh, from talking bullshit, just to be uh, honest. But let's head to the fifth law, which is so much depends on reputation. Guard it with your life. Reputation is the cornerstone of power. Through reputation alone, you can Im intimidate and win. Once you slip, however, you are vulnerable and will attack and will be attacked on all sides. Make your reputation unassailable. Always be alert to potential attacks and thwart them before they happen. Meanwhile, learn to destroy your enemies by opening holes in their own reputations. Then stand aside and let public opinion hang them. You know, it's very hard for me to, to, to understand these um, insights. Some of them are just, you know, pretty low level. But the, the fourth law, for example, is for me on a pretty high level and it's you know i think it's a metaphor for something but i i do not get it <laughs> um to be honest really but if you know what um this author is saying it would be very nice if you just uh tell the people and me in the comments if you're on the youtube channel or dm me or comment on a post on my social media platforms or social media accounts and all these links are in the video description um, feel free to to contact me and so um, and I think in terms of your reputation um, is a very powerful tool because uh, through reputation you can um, in terms of habits you can really really change your life you know by um, for example starting this uh, video format and or podcast um, you know it really changed my life and um, it hopefully changes my life, um, <clears throat> you know, in the future as well. Um, also in terms of finances, maybe. And maybe I can, you know, make something great of, out of this and help uh, a lot of people. And so, I think reputation is key. It's key to, to a lot of things, to a better life, I guess. Uh, but let's see what the sixth... sixth uh, law stands for. <coughs> I'm sorry. Court attention at all cost. Everything is judged by its appearance. What is unseen costs for nothing. Never let yourself get lost in a crowd, then or buried in oblivion. Stand out, be conspicuous at all cost. Make yourself a magnet of attention by appearing larger, more colorful, more mysterious than the bland and timid masses. And I would say attention is key, especially in marketing, because, you know, through attention you get, uh, you know, visitors and through visitors you may get customers and maybe then loyal, custom, loyal customers uh, and so on. And at the end or in some kind of between everything, there might be a sale or not. Um, so for me, attention is... Um, very interesting, especially on Instagram, because that's the platform with the best organic reach by now. Um, 
you know, we will see if they just cut their organic reach as on Facebook, because on Facebook it's about 3% of your followers see your posts. And on, on Instagram it's still or should still be, you know, your full, uh, you know, your full uh, amount of customers or, sorry, followers. Um, but it's very interesting what um, people pay attention to on Instagram or in general social media platforms. And if you know what, um, you know, gets attention, you know how to get people to watch your stuff and so on. And that's something I'm trying to figure out. And that may be a reason for me making some kind of clickbaity titles in the YouTube videos just to, to see if this really works as everybody's talking about or saying. Uh, but let's see what the seventh law is about. Get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. Use the wisdom, knowledge and legwork of other people to further your own cause. Not only will su such assistance save you valuable time and energy, it will give you a godlike aura of efficiency and speed. In the end, your, your helpers will be forgotten and you will be remembered. Never do yourself what others can do for you. A lot of insights from this book seem very, very negative for me. And I'm just thinking if I should now read something else um, because I don't really want to, you know, bring that to you because I think it's just negative and bad stuff and it doesn't seem you and me to get anywhere. But I see what he wants to say with this. Um, this is also something either Dale Carnegie in his book said or um, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich that... I think it was Henry Ford, but I, I don't really remember. But let's say it's Henry Ford here. Uh, he wasn't the smartest guy. And so he had a lot of people around him with just pretty good skills in uh, different areas of life and or, um, you know, of this uh, market uh, which they were, they were in, um, which was the automobile market at this time, I think. I'm not sure. And uh, he was like... Why should he do it himself when he could, you know, get employees or partners or whatever to do it for, for him? And um, so it was just some kind of a debate if he is then intelligent or not. But the thing is, he was intelligent enough to, to, to get people to, to work for him and, um, you know, get his wheels rolling this works in English, I don't know, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, without uh, being able to do uh, or to, to know everything and so on. So it's really about knowing, I remember. Um, take it with a grain of salt, I'm not very sure, I have to admit it, um, but I'll read the ninth law um, or the eighth law, make other people come to you, use bait if necessary. When you force the other person to act, you are in the you are the one in control. When you force uh, when when you force the, the other person to act, um, it always it is always better to make your opponent come to you, abandoning his own plans in the process. Lure him with fabulous giants, then attack. You hold the cards. I don't know. I really want to do something else with you, but. Um, uh, 
fortunately enough, uh, there is enough time. And maybe we're going to talk about Emotional Intelligence 2.0, um, which is a book by Travis uh, Bradbury and Sean Greaves. And it is about emotional intelligence. But I'll see which other books are on this website. And maybe we actually have to... Oh, this is working. Just has to load. Um, and maybe we will then or sometime later we'll... Uh, Money Master the Game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in it. And so we're going to see if it's a lot of text because... Um, Okay, it is, it is actually okay, but it will take some time to go through. But I think it gives you a lot of value because um, Tony Robbins um, always gives value. But let's see. Uh, Tony Robbins isn't the first person you would think about or you would think would be the one to write a book on money. But on Tim Ferriss' recommendation, I picked up a copy. As a finance major with an MBA to my name, I was skeptical that I could learn much about money from a feelings guru like Tony. It was wrong. This book might have given me more useful lessons in finance than my entire formal education. Tony began building his book by interviewing a litany of investment giants or titans, Warren Buffett, Charles Schwab, Carl Icahn, Ray Dalio, pretty much the entire investing all-star team. Most of us would never get a chance to gain access to any of these masters' knowledge, but Tony used this conversation with all them to synthesize a money manifesto. Money manifesto. <laughs> um, section 1. Welcome to the jungle. The journey begins with the first step. The first step, or the first chapter, is an introduction to classic Robin's uh, psychology. Tony begins by lamenting that money is somewhat of a taboo subject, asserting that money is an essential part of our holistic well-being and explaining how he went about building the book by interviewing the best of the best. His first conclusion is that it's very difficult to earn enough money through your job to have financial freedom, so you need to save and invest. Develop the, minds of a, of, develop the mindset of an investor uh, rather than being only a consumer. The only way to overcome ingrained human psychology and actually save is to create a plan and automate your investing. So set up the automatic withdrawals and forget about them. And as a note through my podcast series, Tony has about 45 different um, uh, streams of income or um, businesses, which is just amazing. Because, you know, um, in terms of income streams, uh, the regu regular person has just one, maybe two, uh, first job or maybe second job. And he has 45. And people say that the average uh, streams of or amount of streams of income for a millionaire are at least, some say six, some say four, um, maybe I'll go with five. But it's something in between these areas. So like I would say between 4 and ah, 10, you know, could never be uh, uh, too much, I guess. Because 
you know, making a little money out of this and a little out of this and, you know, so and so. And then some, um, you know, it would be just a little bit. But let's see what section two is telling you. Um, become the insider. Know the rules before you get in the game. Because money is such a misunderstood topic, especially by those who think they know what they're doing. Tony goes into the nine financial myths that have to be busted in order to start building a correct understanding of how money works. The first myth is the market can be beat. Only a few gifted people can beat the market's returns consistently and neither you nor and neither you nor your financial advisor are one of them. Less than 4% of actively managed mutual funds beat the market, which is far, far worse than a coin toss. You're much better off buying passively managed index fund, uh, which simply matches the overall market. Okay. The second myth. Uh, people are telling the truth about fees. The average cost of owning a mutual fund is 3.17% a year when you include all the hidden fees. Expense ratio, transaction costs, cash drag, unseen taxes, etc. That may not sound like much, but for each 1% increase in fees, 20% uh, of the final value of the typical retirement portfolio is eaten away. The end result is that even though the percent looks small, it can result in literally most of your savings ending up in someone else's pocket. Again, investing in an index fund uh, with fees around 1% will make an enormous difference in your financial storehouse. Okay, um, the thing is I don't really get a lot out of this because I'm not in the space of investing in stocks and funds and so on. Um, but it's interesting to hear that, you know, this because I think he knows what he's talking about. And there might be people out there who, who needs just this right now. Maybe you, maybe the person next to you, I don't know. And um, I think talking about money is something good because um you know in society or in my society some kind of people do not really talk much about money it's not something like a taboo but um you know people just do not talk about money i don't know why um but let's see what the third myth and by the way if you are interested in the 48 laws of power just um, comment down below or and DM me and then I will decide if I just, um, you know, let it be it and or um, just see if it's just me thinking about it negatively and not actually the text being negatively because it's just, um, you know, just my point of view on this text or this, this article, uh, I think. But anyways... Uh, people are telling the truth about returns. A core truth about investing is that, is that it is much more important to avoid losses than to get gains. Why? If you have $100 in your portfolio and you lose 50% the first year, you then have $50. If you then gain 50% in the second year, you end up with only $74. Your average time-weighted return uh, was 0% up 50% then down 50% but your real dollar weight and return was negative 25% which uh, which type of returns do you think mutual funds 
uh, like to report. Um, which is interesting because um, because of this example you see that um, what you know some some small percentages or even high percentages in terms in terms of the gain so the the fifty percent gain um, will make out of your you know uh, set uh, how should how should I say um, of a set amount of money uh, which I mean uh, as the one hundred dollars. The fourth myth, your broker is on your side. Uh, most brokers are perfectly good and honest people. However, most of them also probably don't understand the three myths we've just covered. On top of that, the broker model is, serious, is a serious conflict of fiduciary duties. Your broker has a responsibility to increase your money as well as a responsibility to increase his company's money. And the two duties are mutually exclusive. A much better decision is to go with a re registered investment advisor, which is an RIA, who gets an annual fee from you rather than commissions from the mutual funds to manage your investments. Go to the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors or Stronghold Financial website to find an RIA, um, which then seems to be like, you know, um, the more money he makes, this uh, RIA, the more money he gets out of it. And so, you know, he will work just better or harder or maybe smarter um, than the other one who gets his fees anyways. The fourth, uh, no, sorry, the, the fifth myth, your 401k will set you up for retirement. In my mind, before I read this book, I had a mental image of the 401k as some kind of timeless bastion of classic investment best practice. Not so, the 401k is a failed social experiment that has only been around for 30 years. The unique bull market conditions of the 80s and 90s uh, blinded society to a point where we believed that the 401k system, system was effectively setting people up for retirement. But with the recent financial crisis, crisis uh, it became more apparent uh, that the system is a failure. The factors listed in myths 1 to 3 severely, severely uh, limit the growth of your retirement portfolio and taxes on withdrawals will slash or nest egg further. On top of that, the 401k doesn't do anything to protect against the unfortunate retirement timing that left many people with a fraction of the savings after the financial crisis. Hopefully you've already avoided the traditional 401k or IRA in favor of a Roth. In order to solve the tax problem, you can use an IRA instead of a 401k to avoid the factors in myths 1 to 3, but IRAs have much lower contribute, contribution limits and don't let you take advantage of matching contributions from your employer. Tony recommends that you go to the online fee checker here, um, which will show you how much you're really paying in fees in your company's 401k, and then approach your employer with the results. Because of a new law passed in 2012, empl employers are legally required, required to compare the 100k plans to make sure the fees are reasonable. Hopefully, this combination of information will be enough to convince your employer to consider everything about or everything low-cost index funds 
in your plan. And I think the sixth and last myth, and there is hopefully a lot more, not just talking about stocks and so on, or investing, but this might be also uh, interesting in terms of maybe um, real estate, because I don't have any clues about stocks. Um, so by now it's, you know, not that interesting or valuable to me, but maybe to you. But let's see. Target date funds are a good way to allocate your investments. Since ordinary investors have no idea how to diversify their investments, many choose a target date a fund where the mix of investments change, changes based on their age. The point is to get higher returns when you're young and can afford more risk and tend to reserve your capital when you're getting closer to re retirement, typically less in stocks and more in bonds. And while it's a helpful idea in the theory, the experts who put these plans together operate under two gravely mistaken assumptions, and that bonds are safer than stocks and that bonds and stocks move in opposition or opposite directions. We will cover more on that later. And so for now, I have to say goodbye and I hope there was something in this episode for you and um, I really have to remind you again if you want to hear something about the 48 laws of power just comment down below or DM me because you know if you're interested in it I will go through it and yeah that's it I hope you have a real nice day if you're hearing or watching this and I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully, or the next day, whenever. <laughs>